the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 69, and our guest is Tennessee Jett. Tennessee Jett is a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and producer whose latest album is a wonderful record called The Country. It is definitely a country album, but he channels everyone from Nirvana to the E Street Band on this one. It's absolutely outstanding. It includes guest stars like Cody Jinks, Elizabeth Cook, Paul Cawthon, Mickey Raphael. Dwight Yoakam's touring band is on this record. Go listen to it, y'all, after you've listened to this conversation. Then get a copy at TennesseeJet.com. Good man, how are you doing? The uh, do I, are, is this where I record to Logic and then send you the audio, or is it just all over Zoom? It, Zoom does a really good job of recording the whole thing, and great, yeah. Don't even sweat it, man. I I used to, you know, and it's funny, like that's a whole aspect of the of the of the process. Like I used to record. Like with phoners, I, I need to record the audio and then there's a whole, you know, a whole bit that goes on with it. But Zoom is so good about recording both sides that honestly, I'm totally cool with it just being Zoom on, on my end. Well, it makes it easier on my end as well. I'll have to, I'll move this a little closer so the audio is a little bit better. But, cool. uh, and uh, I'm probably sideways on yours, I imagine. You are. That's all right, though. But at least it'll, uh, at least it'll, uh, you're sideways on mine, too, so. Oh, interesting. <laughs> at, least, at least it'll, uh, at least it'll uh, pick up the audio good, though. Yeah, well, let's get sideways, man. Um, the new record, The Country, is wonderful. It's absolutely Thanks, wonderful, man. I'm, I'm so grateful to get to listen to it and really excited for folks to hear it. Yeah, man, me too. Uh, it's been a long time coming, so it's a. Uh, it's uh, cool that finally this week, this Friday, it'll be coming out. It's been a lot, a lot of hard work. I put a lot of time uh, into making records, just wanting to be a certain thing. It's pretty specific in my head. And I feel really good about how this one turned out. That, that's the normal process for you? Like each, each one you spend, you're, you're really spending a lot of time on? I am. I mean, I've always got, I've always got 
these different records in my head that are kind of just in the in the back of my brain that I'll say, well, eventually I'm going to do this type of record or this type mm. of record. And so then if I write a song that seems like it'll fit that record down the road, then I'll kind of put it aside. And uh, I just write a lot of songs. I don't really particularly write for a particular record per se. Like, I, I, you know, some people sit down, it's like, well, I'm going to write a record now. And I don't really approach it that way because I feel like it kind of could eliminate some really cool songs that just might not be for the record I'm working on um, if I just direct everything towards one thing you know i might write a really cool song but it'd be nothing like the record that uh, i'm going to be putting out next but if i don't sit down and write it just then and there um you know you might not capture the song the way that uh, it would be best written and you can't really control that either if you just open yourself up to writing songs uh whenever those ideas come you've just got to kind of if it's the middle of the night you gotta you got you gotta wake up and write it down uh you gotta grab a guitar uh, if you're on the road um, you know, I just feel like you've always just got to kind of, in that way, a little bit be a slave to the muse. And, hmm. uh, but this record, uh, I have a lot of songs that are in this vein because country music something that's been very near and dear to me. Um, and my last couple records definitely had country songs on them, but this is the most country record that I've made in that every song on it is a certain type of country. I try to bury it, but stay within that genre. So much to unpack there, man. And, and, and it definitely is a country record. And I, you know, it's, it's so interesting listening to, I've been to, I'm relatively new to your music. And when I, when I fell, I fell hard. I think there's something about, you know, when it's, when it's good like that, when you, when you, 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 you get into somebody like you, uh, I just fell so hard into your music, man. And I just devoured your records um, and this one is different in that it, it in that 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 country that very country leaning way, and it's it's good medicine for me as someone who grew up on country music and who 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 listened to Waylon Jennings like really devoured Waylon Jennings and then really devoured Willie Nelson and you know you've got Mickey Raphael on this on this thing and there's just so many ties into those records that I loved so much even you 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 cover towns. There's so much on this that that really is is soul food for me who grew up on country music. Um, you talked a little bit about the idea that the 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 songs come when they come. Um, were you were you listening to a lot of country music at the, in, at the moment that this came together? Um, what really can you talk a little bit more about the genesis of the of the record and and the country feel to it? Yeah, I wasn't particularly listening to a lot of country. That, that stuff just kind of ingrained in my DNA at this mm -hmm. point. Uh, my my parents just, uh, you know, were always, you know, turning me on to, you know, all these old country greats from, you know, Waylon Willie, like you're saying, Conway Twitty and Hank Williams, mm -hmm. and George Strait. And uh, so I just, it's just kind of, just kind of ingrained, like I said, but it's just a matter of trying to figure out a way where I can do it. It's not just a copy of that i've always mm. i think it's important to uh to try to absorb everything that you can and uh, know your song well before you start singing so to speak uh but i don't find at least for me i just don't have any interest in just trying to copy something and, and make it sound like well this sounds exactly like this george Strait record from this time and there might be certain production elements that uh i'll borrow or steal from um but ultimately I think you've got to combine enough 
alternate influences to make something truly unique and original. I think that's kind of what we do as artists is you absorb uh, deeply uh, things that you are inspired by. Um, and the art comes in taking those things and combining them into making something new out of them. And so for me, it's a matter of if there's something that I, I feel like is, uh, that, I, that, I, that I would gain from, if there's an artist in particular that I really dig what they do and maybe I don't understand how they're doing it or uh, feel like I can incorporate it into my music, I'll go through periods where that's all I listen to. There was a period um, where for a straight month, when I finally got Bob Dylan, my finally under, when it just clicked in my head, because the first, first time it whizzed right over my head, mm-hmm. totally whizzed over my head. And, uh, and so I just said, well, maybe it's not the right time to receive that music. And, uh, but when I did, uh, I put the freewheeling Bob Dylan on, I was living in uh, Los Angeles at the time and it just floored me, it just really floored me. And so I listened to it just nonstop every day for a month as I was, you know, and it, if you've ever lived in uh, LA or any big city for that matter, you spend a lot of time in your car, you know, driving. Mm. So, uh, you know, it's playing that record, you know, uh, a few times a day, just listen, start to finish on it and just trying to let that just seep in and just absorb that music. Cause at the time I was, you know, Merle Haggard and Dean Dillon, who's a guy that wrote a lot of George Strait songs. And, um, the traditional country writing, Hank Williams, Harlan Howard style was really the thing that, uh, I really felt like I, I, I understood and uh, could could replicate in my own way. Um, and the way that Bob Dylan writes is so drastically different from that. Um, there's just so much more based on uh, imagery and the connection of words that may not be uh, cohesive uh, in, a, in a typical sense, but when you add the two words together, it creates a new picture in your head. And uh, so it really became kind of a a learning experience of just trying to incorporate some of those, um, for lack of better words, uh, surrealist poetry into country songs. And uh, not that there's not the countries and just ripe with poetry. I mean, I think, mm. you know, Merle Haggard, you know, Sing Me Back Home songs are just as poetic as anything that's ever been put to paper. Um, but Bob Dylan leans in more of a uh, non-linear poetry type and so I thought that was interesting so I've tried to incorporate that into my songs over the years and you're constantly learning and trying to find artists that will inspire you um, and just you know absorbing them and then just uh, it's all input and output you know how you you talk about influences and you talk about um, you know not wanting to do necessarily a copy right of these of these greats um, and and yet you have you have those two covers uh, on the record, and those two covers are wonderful, um, and from very different worlds. <laughs> um, but how, how do you how do you balance that? How do you decide? Okay, I've got this record full of country songs, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have a song that the Black Crows blew up, and I'm gonna have a town song um, that that a lot of folks have done that is quite a challenge to, to, to make it fresh. And, and I think you pull that off, but how do you make that decision to, to balance those things on your record? Well, I think a couple of things. For one, I think that all great songs are essentially folk songs. Anything that's gonna last a long time is gonna be reinterpreted and, and shared and handed down. And so it's kind of the obligation of the artist, the songwriter to, uh, songs that mean a lot to them and they think are powerful songs uh, to, reinterpret those songs for future generations. Um, and once we stop doing that, then songs slowly in time will just kind of fade away. And 
with with Poncho and Lefty, um, and you're right, a lot of people have covered that song. So if if I didn't feel like I can add anything new to it, I certainly wouldn't have done it. But you know, it's my dad's favorite song. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's been one of my favorite songs. A lot of people come up to me and they're like, you know what, that's my favorite song. And when when uh, Jinx came in the studio to cut his part, he said, you know, this is my favorite song. And uh, so wow. it's just amazing how many people there is. It's their favorite song, and it's certainly one of mine. I think it's uh, you know, Towns wrote so many great songs, and that that may be my favorite town song as cliche as it is because it's it's basically a signature song um Mm. but i wanted a song on this record because there's there's a different type of country every song is a different slice of country so to speak and uh so that was kind of the gunfighter ballad the uh, marty robbins uh you know vibe with that kind of folk country balladry um for the record um so i knew i wanted to do the song but if i couldn't figure out a way to do it that was different then I wouldn't have done it. I just, it's not the way that I, that I like to approach covers. Um, and I was playing a show with, a, it was a Christmas show in Dallas, the Bomb Factory. And it was myself and Cody Jenks and Paul Coffin and Ward Davis and Josh Morningstar. And we were all just playing acoustic. Uh, it was a Cody, Cody thing. Up, man. What a night. You know, it was, uh, <laughs> Cody puts on his Christmas thing every year in Dallas. And, uh, so we're all up there on stools and, and so we're all kind of swapping songs and things and and uh i thought man it'd be really cool to do poncho and lefty let's find some songs that we can all kind of grab a verse on and uh it was just kind of magical um mm. you know at least in my mind up there was uh it was just a lot of fun and there was just something kind of like timeless about that song and then when you get multiple people doing it it kind of became a different thing and i thought well you know what i should record that and make it like a highwayman thing and mm. so it was going to be, you know, there's uh, five verses on it, I guess, mine and then, or four. Well, so it ended up having a different person sing every verse. And then the challenge was, okay, well, how do you break that up? And I always thought like, well, let's get just a kick-ass female singer to come in and, and, and sing. And, and just, cause I, I wanted every part in that song to just kind of keep, continue to, wake up the listener and be something new to their ears you know so mm-hmm. i started out and was really stripped down just uh, myself acoustic and uh, i played the mellotron on it so it's just those three things and then jinx comes in on his verse and the whole song the drums everything come in then jinx hands it off to mickey Raphael, who didn't play on the original version even though he's played with willie forever mm. um and he he plays the harmonica solo and then elizabeth comes in so you're in a female voice in the song and then you've got brian newman a guy i met while i was doing shows out in vegas with willie um he's a monster trumpet player he plays with lady gaga and he's got his own jazz kind of thing but just a monster trumpet player and then paul coffin comes in and just like kills that last verse and i just kind of put a bookend on it and it's just like okay well i, I feel really good about it i feel like every part is kind of a new thing um for for the listener and it's, and it's different than any other version i've heard there's a lot of great versions of it mm. um, so it just made it a matter of doing something that was just unique on it and something different such an incredible group of folks. What What is it? You know, I, I was talking to uh, Nicole Atkins recently and, um, and she, I feel like has a similar, a similar uh, ability or whatever to, to get all these incredible folks to work on her records. Um, what, what is it about you, man? <laughs> do you have, like, what lessons do you, have you learned about relationships? Maybe you can pass on to us, especially working relationships that you have the Elizabeth Cooks of the world, you know, and, and, and Mickey Raphael's of the world that, that are going to work with you on your records. Well, I'm terrible at 
networking for like, you know, whatever that term means. I'm not very good at it. I, I don't particularly like co-writing that much. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. And, uh, and most of the, most of my friends, um, are just kind of this band of misfits. And I think there's a lot of people that choose to just kind of do things their own way. And maybe there's kind of a, maybe there's a, we all feel kind of a kinship, but it's just a matter of, just trying to find like-minded artists and i think usually if you can just find that um then the other stuff just kind of takes care of itself mm. and so that's what it's that's what it's ended up being and you know a big part of how that song sonically kind of just made sense is i uh, i produced the first uh, produced the, the first couple sessions out in uh, los angeles myself and they came back to dallas and that was when i realized i wanted to do a uh, poncho and lefty so i went into dallas and i wanted to co-produce that uh with a buddy of mine named Casey Diorio, and uh, he really did a great job of, of, you know, making everything feel cohesive. You know, myself and and Paul and uh, Cody all sang at his studio through the same mic, uh, mm. so it all there's a cohesiveness of sound. But you know, when you're getting tracks flown in, like Elizabeth Cook cut her part in Nashville, and uh, Brian Newman cut his part out in uh, New York, and then Mickey cut his part in uh, Nashville, and so it, you know, it can be a challenge sometimes to make everything feel cohesive. Mm. And we had most of it there, but we wanted every element to be really dialed in. And that was all Casey there, just really making it smooth and, and, and run together. And I've just always, uh, I just think that, like I said, like-minded people, I think often will gravitate towards each other. Mm. And uh, so that just ends up being most of the people that I hang out with um, are in that way a lot like me. And then in other ways, uh, not like me at all. But I think that's kind of the thing is we all just kind of realize we're all, uh, it's, it's, you know, trying to be an artist as opposed to an act, if that makes any sense. Um, mm. Because there's a lot of, a lot of the word artist is thrown around a lot, um, especially in Nashville where I just lived for, you know, five years. And it's like, a, and, you know, I, I kind of, mm. the word artist to me is something that's, I feel like there's a, it's important to take it seriously. You don't take yourself seriously, but you take your art really seriously. Mm. And, uh, and so when it comes to, when it comes to that, I think there's an obligation to know that, you know, you're going to put stuff out into the world and people are going to respond to it in different ways. And hopefully they will respond to it in a positive way. Um, and you hope that people don't take it, misinterpret it. And, uh, and it ends up being a negative thing, but at some point you really kind of don't have control over that. So I've just always sought in my music to bring people together and uh, have elements that are going to console people or, or make them just forget about things for a second and just treat it real seriously down to the graphic art and the, uh, the way the songs are presented and uh there's a lot i put a lot of uh easter eggs and songs and connect records together mm. and and just try to keep it interesting for people and just really try to treat everything as an artistic endeavor is there any like daily practice that you have of any sort that that gets you there to where you're you're appreciating and taking serious the art but um but not taking yourself too seriously necessarily like is there do you have a meditation practice or like a i don't know in any sort of routine that you use to to keep that in mind i just uh not in particular uh, but, but um i just at some point decided that if you really want to be good at this then you need to devote all your time to it and all your all your brain power to it so i don't ever really turn turn off the uh the songwriting hat it's just always something that 
I think mm. you've got to just be writing 24 seven all the time. And I don't believe there's such a thing as writer's block. I think it's all input and output. So mm. if there's times when you're not necessarily putting stuff down on paper or you don't feel like anything's coming to you, you just need to input a lot more. It's not a bad, it's not a bad thing. Just understand the process and trust the process and say, I just need to put some new fuel in my tank, some different mm. things, some things that challenge me. Um, and just don't try to force the output part of it because um, if you if, if all you're doing was output all the time then you wouldn't be absorbing anything new so you'd be writing the same songs over and over and uh, you wouldn't be bringing anything new to it but if you're ever in that time then you just input input read watch tv get outside go experience something new um, challenge yourself to write something that's totally out of your comfort zone just anything but um, when, when writers say they've got writer's block, I just kind of, honestly, I just kind of roll my eyes because it's just, it's an easy, it's a cop out for lazy songwriters, honestly. Man, I can relate to that so much. And, um, you know, I, I never really felt block uh, myself as a creative just because it, it really does feel like a necessary thing. Like I, I just need to be doing some kind of, of work all the time. Otherwise I'm a mess. You know, otherwise, honestly, like I give in to the worst version of myself if I'm not consistently setting, uh, not, not even setting goals, but just like putting, putting myself out there as much as I possibly can, whatever that looks like, right? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of work to, and it sounds like what you're saying is that like ultimately, like it's not so much a choice for you. You probably mm. just feel like you have to write. Yep. And I think that's a big key for I think people are all given different gifts and some people, you know, writing songs is not their thing, but like if I were to look at a and try to fix someone's car, it's going to not work. And I'm going to end <laughs> up with more, more parts and screws and go, Oh, you know, I thought I fixed it, but what are all these parts that I'm terrible at that? I'm terrible with my sense of time and direction. So there's things that um, I could never do. Um, but I don't have a great desire to learn, to learn because, um, when it comes to like writing, um, uh, it just feels like I would do it if if it didn't pay anything. If I just, mm -hmm. if I had to do something else to put food on the table, I would still write and create. It's just something that at least for me, I can't help but, but do it. So uh, yeah, I feel for you. It's, it's, it's the same thing. It's just a matter of finding things that you're passionate about and then trying to, you know, the old adage is trying to find a way to make a living doing them. You know? Gosh, man, I can relate so much. Like, uh, my partner, Chris, she, she is uh, a, a very handy person. Like she fixes our doors and, you know, uh, does all the, all really most of the handiwork. I take care of the yard. She takes care of the house and like the, the physical labor of it. Um, and I, j I don't know shit about that. And I just don't care to learn. <laughs> I just don't care to learn how to fix the door. <laughs> you know? like, That's me, unfortunately, I'm the same way. Um, and you end up, uh, and you end up, it's not that I don't like building things some certain times, but I feel, I feel like it's always more abstract things, you know, yep. where I have to be perfect. Everything I build is rustic, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so imperfect, but, um, but with songs that can be a benefit, you know, mm. I think it's important to learn the craft inside and out. I read a book once, uh, uh, Tom T. Hall has got this book on songwriting. It's kind of a famous book. And so I first started writing, it was kind of something I read and it's very much like, here's the proper way to write a country song. And there's all these, there's a lot of rules and stuff. Um, but it was actually a good book to read because uh, there are certain reasons that the, those rules are there because it, you will have a stronger song, particularly in country. Uh, if every line will reinforce your hook, you know, mm. your, your the title, you know, for, if, you know, and, uh, but at some point you realize that like, okay, well, that's a pretty appropriate way to write a country song. And that's how Harlan Howard did it. That's how uh, you know, most people do it. 
Um, but once you know that, then you can kind of start painting outside the, uh, out the canvas and just kind of doing your own thing. But you've got to always, it's always a compromise because you know that if you're going to get outside that, then you're, you're going to lose something else. So it becomes a matter of like, how much do you want it to reinforce the hook or how much do you want it to basically be Bohemian Rhapsody or something, you know? Wow. Wow. Uh, how early did you kind of have a grasp of that, of, of sort of the, 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 the structure, you know, of, of what a song quote unquote should sound like? Uh, I just, I, you know, I don't know. It'd be hard to say. I just, uh, I just, uh, I study everything like that I'm interested in. And, 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 mm. and so I, like, I get really funny cause like my hobbies are all sound related. So in essence, they're, mm. they're still music, but, but I really get interested in, uh, in different vibrational frequencies and, and, uh, and, you know, equations and things that like will, will resonate with people and why and how things can be, uh, how, how, uh, things can be heard through headphones that sound like they're, you know, behind you and you know, mm. binaural listening, holographic sound and all this stuff like that. And that's actually, that's actually like my one. I don't want to like think about music for a while, the stuff that I read, which is all funny cause it's all interrelated. Right. Right. But, um, but I've just always, I, I just studied the greats. And I think it's funny because I think that's kind of a, when I listen to, I don't listen to modern country radio anymore. Mm. And uh, I think a lot of people at some point, you just go like, I just don't, this doesn't, I don't relate to this at all. Right. And, uh, and so, but when I do turn it on, like when we're on the road and, and the internet's not great, I'll turn the radio on. But it's almost just always for, I'll either see if like a buddy of mine's got a song that got cut uh, mm. or just or just something just to laugh at honestly and i don't and that sounds pretty that sounds pretty arrogant but, but some of these songs though honestly it's just amazing that they even that, that anyone would ever say like yes i want that on my record you know i've yeah. got a record. and uh and then when you really kind of kind of see behind the, the the veil and you realize that like why that happens um a lot of times they've dumbed down the song so much where anyone can do it because they've eliminated the hardest thing to fine which is a great fucking song mm. they, and that, that was a tough thing and there used to be guys and uh and in, in, in girls all those probably mostly guys um that they would call a uh, song men and they were people that were like they would find a song and uh and, and they, it was golden you know when you bring like crazy to patsy klein it's just like it's an undeniable thing mm. and uh at some point that became so hard to find especially with people that had not really wrote songs uh you know before and now have their songs i mean there's there 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 are great singers that at some point just said i'm gonna like be a songwriter and they went from never writing a song in their life to literally having like 10 number one songs in a row mm -hmm. and did they just become an amazing songwriter or are those other writers sitting in the room going shit you know i'd like to cut on this record and everything this person does goes to the top so we'll just sit here and indulge this person and maybe their idea is like, you know what, guys, I want to write a song today about, you know, heartbreak. It's like, ooh, that's a great idea. Let's write that. You know, it's not like it's a, and, and, and that's not always how it happens. But if you look at, if you look at, uh, you know, a great era of songwriting, like the, uh, like the, the early to mid 90s was kind of a zenith in a lot of ways of like just great mm -hmm. songwriting. Um, the song, this, there was usually you know one or two songwriters on these songs and you look at it you look at an uh, an artist's album and uh you know they might have a few songs in it that they wrote themselves um or, or they wouldn't have any and then those people slowly turned into just these monster songwriters overnight when the money dried out of the uh 
physical sales. And so it became pretty clear to me kind of what's going on. And it's fine. You either just play that game or, or you don't, you know, you just get in there and say, I'm going to give up part of the song. And uh, it's a lot better chance of getting on the record. If that's the case, the artist feels more attached to it, which that's actually a good thing. Um, I'd rather have people feeling, singing songs they feel attached to, but um, it, it really works out best whenever a, a great singer finds a great song or writes a great song. Mm. Um, it's kind of gotten to the point now where, um, I mean, there's nine songwriters on uh, the last Sam Hunt number one song, you know? Wow. And, and nine, you know, and you just wonder like, how does that even happen? Now, a couple of them is because it's an old song and they, they went and grabbed it. Um, but I mean, it doesn't make the song nine times better to have nine songwriters on it. And, uh, and there are people that like, like the song, I'm sure. Um, and that's fine. You know, you can't tell people what to like and what not to like. I don't judge people's, uh, you know, their preferences. You know, my preferences aren't going to be the same songs that, uh, you know, you might like or vice versa. And mm. then there's certain songs we both would agree a thousand percent on. It's just, it's just the nature of, uh, of our tastes and how the type of, uh, art music that we like it's just like ice cream or just like you know cars anything um but i would venture to say if there was less songwriters on these modern country songs i think that the true art of songwriting that used to be so prevalent maybe more than any other genre uh, in country music would start to return and people would start feeling things in songs and songs would be timeless again because right now they're just kind of disposable even the biggest hits you probably won't even know in two years I wonder about all of that, and I wonder if, especially given the the current zeitgeist and, and what what we're what we're experiencing as a as a culture, Western culture right now, I do wonder on the other end of this, on the other end of the pandemic, of the fascist regime, and uh, all of this kind of shit that's happening, the storm, right? That it feels like is happening. Um, if we if we get out on the other side. Uh, in a in, in in a decent shape i do wonder if like what's popular will shift that people having gone through kind of an awakening because hopefully you you have to figure people are are doing some soul searching right like we're all kind of looking inward in a way that we maybe weren't before now some of us you know especially writers we do that shit constantly but um, but for the average person who doesn't necessarily look internally all the time and who's constantly just trying to get by or whatever they're trying to do, there's a lot more introspection, I think, that's happening with people. And I, I do wonder if like what's popular will shift as a result of that. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I think history would indicate, even though this is a pretty unprecedented time, right, mm -hmm. um, for, this, for our country, um, I do think that like history has shown uh, that the times will indicate what people are drawn to artistically. And the things that the things that, that that will get them through it, you know, when you think of the '60s, there's a certain song. It's like every '60s movie is going to start out with "Fortunate Son," you know, and they're going to yeah. be, you know, and the chopper's going to be landing, <laughs> and and, uh, and so, but it feels like a time. So there, will, I think there will certainly be music that feels like uh, the times that we live in. Um, there's going to be a lot of uh, pandemic records, you know, and and uh, and so. I think it's good that the music reflects culture and, and how culture is, uh, is changing and what we're going through. And uh, it's, you know, but there's also been a lot of blessings in this downtime, uh, I've got to say. I think in a lot of ways, it's good for people to, uh, um, you know, there's, look, there's a lot of terrible things happening in the world, right? Um, so I don't want to, you know, disregard that. Um, but I'm an optimist and always someone that feels like sometimes things got to get worse before they get better. 
And uh, I think one of the silver linings of this is people maybe are doing a little bit more soul searching, maybe spending more time with their families, um, mm. getting outside a little bit more. Um, you know, I live out in the, I live out in the country, so um, it hasn't affected me on my day to day too much. You know, I don't live in the city, which has got to be pretty drastically different than living out here in Southeast Oklahoma. Mm. And, uh, mm -hmm. and so for me, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, just trying to internalize, you know, my experience of what, what is going on and then try to, you know, write songs that in some way will be comforting in some way. I don't think it's the artist's job to tell people uh, what to think or give them the answers. I think it's the artist's job uh, to inspire other people to, to think mm. and to ask questions. Um, it would be pretty arrogant for me to just say like, Hey, I have the answers and buy my record and you can get the answers yourself. You know, I think <laughs> it'd be, it'd be pretty silly, but, but, uh, but all I can do is my own personal life experience. And I can put those things into songs that, um, might make, uh, hopefully will encourage someone to either think of some, something in a way they hadn't thought of it before or to tell them like, Oh yeah, I think this person probably like tells me that I'm not crazy and thinking like, um, the way that I think, you know, or because ultimately it's just like, my, you know, I want to write music uh, that brings people together and makes them think. I, I'm a big fan of the free exploring mind and just wanting to, um, you know, dig deeper into things. And uh, so that's what I try to do. And with this record, um, although it was, it was, you know, it was done uh, before the pandemic started, um, a big part of that was just to not tell people, you know, it's called the country because I've got, you know, every, every different, every song is a different type of country song. And the, the main kind of, theme of the record uh is the the hook in the title track which is i miss you like the country radio to don't play no more mm -hmm. and the point of that was just like for anyone out there that feels like oh well that music's like you know no one likes that or it's just like no there's a lot of people that love that type of music and feel that there's something missing um in today's country music they want to and there's some people out there that are that are making some kick-ass music that are mainstream artists there certainly are um, but most of the music is all going to be in the independent uh, sphere, you know, mm -hmm. and particularly in Nashville, um, most of the best acts that I saw that were, um, were female acts, mm. female artists, because they were, uh, um, I should say artists, not acts, um, because maybe it's because they have no inclination to try to write a bro country song. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, but if you go to, if you go to writer's nights in Nashville, uh, it's crazy because if you see like a female artist and then two male artists up there, that female artist will often play, you know, there'll be more like songs that are like, you feel like that's art, that's soulful, that's meaningful. That yeah. one female will play more of those songs than the rest of the males on stage combined. And uh, I don't know that it's just that, it's just country's gotten such a bad place right now, modern country. Man. And uh, so... This my this is my record is kind of a pushback against that, not ripping anybody that likes a modern country, but hopefully uh, encouraging people to open their minds to say like, there's other stuff out there too. There's there's maybe you can get more out of these this music. Right, and yeah, I, <laughs> I can only imagine how good like uh, how how adeptly um, Kelsey Walden or like Margot Price could write a you know, a song about trucks and, and beers or whatever, like how easily they could just write a banger that, that actually is good. <laughs> right about oh yeah, for shit. sure. For sure. I mean, I think I would love to hear that perspective and that's what we're lacking is 
you're just you're getting one perspective right now yeah. and it's not even just a it's not even just a all of the male perspective it's a very small slice of the male perspective mm-hmm. a very kind of um a very in a lot of ways misogynistic perspective and that's what you're getting like across the board uh, with very rare exception and uh and yeah. like i said i i'm not listening to country radio every day so i don't people might say hey i can name you know this person this person this person's not doing that there hopefully there's more than i think there are right you yeah know? But I, you every know, time i turn it on i don't hear i don't hear that i said something i was uh i had brian fallon on the show uh, a few months ago and, and i said to him uh how it blows my mind jason isbel isn't like on country radio and he and, he, and his response was he goes he isn't and I was like, well, wait a minute. I guess I don't really know. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> but I guess I don't really know because I don't really listen to country radio. So I, I can't really speak authoritatively on that. Yeah, I, would, I think I was like, uh, I was quoting someone who was asking me um, on, 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 a, on another podcast, uh, you know, what are, name some of the, like, of the great songs that you've heard on country. Because yeah, there's got to be some. And these were like songs that were like, you know, six seven years old they weren't anything new mm-hmm. you know? and so it's like uh and so it may be out there um i don't know i don't really i don't listen to it, but i will say this just about every single time that i turn on the radio for that purpose it's the same song i mean mm-hmm. i've probably done this a dozen times in the last uh, couple of years just on the road and it's always that song so if they if they are out there they're not the ones they're playing the majority of the time mm-hmm. and um you know i'm kind of lucky though i've got a station here in a I live in Hugo, Oklahoma, which is right across the southeast Oklahoma, right across the border from Texas. Mm. And uh, and so I've got a station here and uh, the program director uh, loves the Turnpike Troubadours. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, oh, so fun. it's like it's about the only <laughs> it's about the only exception I make to, to uh, listening to the radio. Um, and it's great. It's, it seems like every like third song is a Troubadour song. So I still a lot of times get, I've got to weather like two songs between there. But I just know that if I stick around long enough, there's going to be some like great music coming. So it's just kind oh, of it's kind great. of funny. That's so fun. Um, I want to ask you about a couple of songs, and specifically, like again, I I can't say enough about the record, man. And and I want to I want to make sure. Speaking of Oklahoma, that I give you this compliment. Um, one of my favorite singers and one of my favorite folks in in music is Verlin Thompson, and the way you sing you both you sound a little bit like him but the urgency with which you sing and and the passion behind it reminds me so much of verlin i don't know if you know verlin or know his music but um he he's someone that i respect so much and i and he's an oklahoma boy and i just love 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 the 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 connection that my brain immediately made between oh that's great i'll i'll uh, I'll dig in his catalog and i'm always curious when people sing like that i've always um, I always really value uh, directness and, and, and sincerity out of singers. And a lot of my favorite singers are ones that are, you know, like I love Willie Nelson and Bob Dylan and Christopherson. And, uh, and, and, and these are like singers that you, they're kind of a love them or hate them type. Yeah. Type but I just always love the sense of, uh, of they're just, they're in a room and they're trying to communicate with you individually. It's not like a, you know, like Bono's like an amazing fucking singer. Yeah. You know, um, but he's kind of singing to the person in the back row. You know what uh, I mean? Uh, and uh. and as, as he should, because it's like, it's, it's you too, you know? Right. And, right, right. Um, but when I hear, uh, when I hear like Willie Nelson um, or Bob Dylan or, you know, Johnny Cash, it feels like you're just kind of, they're, they're singing to you directly, whether anyone else is around can hear it. And I just always value that. Um, 
that's just one of the things that I, I personally like in, in voices. A lot of my favorite singers, or Neil Young, you know, a lot mm. of people that like wouldn't get demo work in Nashville as a singer. But um, I just, I guess I just prefer style and, and honesty and truth. I'm not a big fan of the, of kind of what you have to do to win shows like The Voice, you know? God, what a great lesson just for, uh, for creatives in general, but especially for singers, the idea that like, just because your voice, whether it's your writing voice or it's your speaking voice or it's your singing voice, or it's the way you play an instrument, whether that is, um, even if that is not necessarily like fitting into what a, a category of like excellence is, if if it's unique and if it's hitting people in a certain way and if it's coming through with sincerity, then it's still valuable. And don't give up on it just because you don't sound like the person you hear on The Voice or whatever. Well, John Prine would never have won The Voice, you know. And it's just that, uh, and, and, and when, <laughs> right. you know, one of the one for what I like in singing. It's just like, and I don't even think he would consider himself a singer. Um, at least he was self-deprecating a lot about his voice, but it's just like, um, unless he's doing that with the wink, uh, you know, I, like, I just, I love the, the honesty and the purity and just the, the cut, cut through itness. Is that a word? It is now. It is now. Um, of, of, of how he sold uh, his songs to people. And uh, it's just always been something that I've, uh, it's, I've always valued. I just, uh, I just like, uh, I just, and especially when it's someone singing their own song, it just kind of, it's a whole thing. Like, mm -hmm. I, like we just covered, you know, Poncho and Lefty and, and I don't think you'll ever, in my mind, there'll never be a better version than just town singing it on part one highways. Right. And, um, cause it's just, it's the, it's the artist singing the song in all his glory, you know? And, um, so to me, it's just a matter of doing a different version of it, not necessarily trying to compete with that one. Cause I don't think you can, mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, it's no, no point in doing it. Or like when, we covered a, a, she talks to angels, you know, honestly, if I turned my record over and I didn't know anything about me and I saw Poncho and Lefty on side A and she talks to angels on side B, my first reaction would probably be to roll my eyes until they just spun around in my head <laughs> and just go like, who does this guy think he is? You know, what the hell is this all about? Um, and if I would have tried to cover those songs in the way that they did them, it would have been a colossal failure because I don't think uh -huh. anyone could do that. And, and uh, she talks to angels, especially, how are you going to do, uh, that kind of slow open tuning blues version of it if you're not you know black crows yeah and so uh but it made a perfect kind of i wanted a hillbilly type bluegrass song um on the record and i didn't have one that i wrote that i felt like was the one that you know that would fit the best and uh so i gave this song for a for a spin and i and it turned out the way i was hoping it would you know it's a real and elizabeth the cook came and kind of sang that that uh that harmony part on it and so it was, a, it was an opportunity for for the band to pull out the mandolin and dobro and banjo and, and just kind of do it, you know, like we're, we're deep in the hills of Kentucky or something. That's awesome. And you had, uh, speaking of Kentucky, you had Dwight Yoakam's, uh, Dwight Yoakam's touring band, right? It was, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the majority of the record is, uh, is his, his touring band. We tracked it out there in, uh, in Los Angeles in two days. We just we got, we got together for a short rehearsal. I didn't, I actually wanted it to feel like a, you know, cause I'd been playing as a one man band up until this uh, current record. And so I wanted the record to feel like a band record as opposed to like what they call in Nashville, like a custom record where you hire the same guys, they kind of show up, they play great, but it might not be the most inspired playing you've ever heard. Mm. Um, so I wanted an existing band. And uh, whenever I called my 
my buddy Mitch, who's been drumming with Dwight for, you know, I guess a decade at least. And uh, I said, hey, man, you want to play you want to play drums on this record? I'm going to record it out in California. It's going to be a real country record. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm in. Um, we're off. You want me to see if the, you want me to see if the rest of the guys, you know, want to come do it. And I was like, well, you know what? Yeah. Just make it easy. Um, it's exactly what I was, uh, was hoping would happen. So, so we got together for a short rehearsal and then went to the studio over two days and just slammed through songs without having too much time to think about them. And, uh, a lot of the, vocals or the tracking vocals you know they're very minimal overdubs on the record just really wanted to capture uh, a band playing the songs in a room mm. and uh and so we tracked those and and i think we we had 11 or 12 songs i think six or seven of them ended up making the, the final record and then i did uh, three songs with a uh, casey in in dallas at his place mm. uh, so wow Wow, that's so exciting. Um, but one of the standouts on the record is Johnny. Um, and I didn't know the story about how Johnny Horton like predicted his own death or whatever. Um, can you talk about like how that song came about? And then, uh, and then I have a heavy question for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, uh, so I was watching something. I don't know if it was like through like CMT or, or one of those shows. It was like mysteries of country history type thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and one of them was the Johnny Horton story of, of how he, he uh, was leaving the Skyline club and got hit by a drunk driver and he'd predicted it a week before. And it's the same like club that Hank Williams had left whenever, uh, damn the last, you know, when he, before he died in a car, different ways but he, and they were both married to the same woman Hank Williams and Johnny Horton they're both married to Billie Jean is her name and uh there's just all these eerie similarities between Johnny Horton and Hank Williams in the way that they die but the craziest thing about Johnny Horton is he had uh he had worked out a thing with his buddy Merle Kilgore who's a huge songwriter and legend in mm -hmm. Nashville songwriting um and said you know what just to let's do a little thing just to prove that there's a an afterlife uh, let's put, come up with a message that I can send back, you know, somehow and have you hear it. Um, so to know that like, okay, well, everything's good here. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, beyond. And uh, so they came up with this phrase that no one would know. And they didn't, they said they didn't share with anybody. And it's uh, the drummer is a rummer and can't hold the beat. And, uh, and so he came back and there's a, there's a whole stories online, but, um, Merle Kilgore got a call from someone that was doing a, a seance, I believe, and and uh, they said we've got a message for you uh, to, from Johnny Horton. It's the drummer's a rummer and can't hold the beat. And uh, it's, there's a lot better version of it on. And Merle Kilgore tells a lot better stories. There's a video of him talking about it. In my songs, the drummer was a rummer and can't hold the beat for a couple of reasons. For one, because folk music, and for two, it just sings better. Um, but the rest of the stories uh, in the song is pretty, there's, I didn't have to really create much. It was just all there. It was just a matter mm -hmm. of putting the story together. Um, and Johnny Cash is the Johnny that's at the, you know, reading the eulogy at the funeral. And there's all these country characters in it um, and little nods to like Hank Williams in there. And, and, uh, but when it came time to record the song, I thought, you know, if I just record the song like a 1950s country song, which was the era that Johnny Horton, um, was most successful in. I, I don't think a lot of people are going to really hear it um, because mm. it's going to be like, oh, I get it. It's just kind of a 1950s throwback song. And I don't know if they've really listened to the story much. So I felt like I really need to give it something 
that stands out musically in a different way. And then I started thinking, well, what's the like a really different way to do it? And, uh, you know, I love Nirvana and Kurt Cobain. And I was like, you know, this might be a good opportunity just to really just throw these two together and see what happens. And uh, so the music ended up working out and it ended up being like a, you know, very, it's the alt country song on the record. And the lyrically it's, it's country is cornbread, but, um, mm. but musically it's something that you might see like a, you know, like early, like whiskey town from something like faithless street or like a Wilco or, you know, type type music, alt country, no depression type music, you know? Mm. And, uh, and so, yes, Johnny is the, so far, people have uh, people, uh, you know, been fortunate to turn some people onto that story, um, but it's pretty fascinating. It's a good like kind of follow through, you know, after the rest. So, so what, if you could, if uh, you know, if, if you could know how you're going to die, uh, would you want that information? Um, no, I wouldn't. I don't believe I would want that information. Um, I think that's the beauty of the. Uh, of life is, is not knowing <laughs> those things. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, you've got to just treat, you know, every day. Like it's, you know, it's kind of a funny expression because people say like, treat every day like it's your last. And it's like, that's not really very good advice. <laughs> if, you, if you truly treated every day, like it was your last, I don't think you're going to make your house payment. <laughs> what do you care? You know, and you're probably, you're probably going to be pretty selfish in that last day. You know, you're uh, not going to few phone calls um you're just gonna you know and so there's probably a maybe it's the treat every day like it's your first or something because it's just because then you know you got just you, poop you, your you, pants all the time you, well yeah maybe it's <laughs> maybe maybe treat every day like it's your first from the age of you know whatever 18 on or something but it's a uh, but yeah i just think that i just think that that's the that's the that's the beauty of life we have you know so much time here and i it's just kind of like been a you know, my life motto is like, you got a hundred years tops if you drink like, you know, green tea and have good genes and stuff like that. So it's like, don't waste your time doing stuff that's um, just like everybody else. Just try to mm. forge your own path and bring something new to it. Ultimately too, and you know, with songs and singers, um, singers end up dying and it's the song is what lives on. So that's really ultimately the most important thing to focus on is, are those things. And then while you're here, it's like, live it up, you know, enjoy mm. and laugh more and, and forgive mm. people and, uh, listen to other points of view and, uh, and just take chances in your life. You know, I just think that that's uh, that's what I hope that my music uh, represents. I think that we're more, that as artists, we're more what, what we represent as opposed to necessarily who we are. And that's wow. been a big thing. Um, and so it's like, I think that if you, you know, you want to represent things that are, that are positive and encouraging people to live their best life. And in the, in the meantime, you should be living your best life, you know? Wow. That's beautiful. Um, wow. That's, yeah, that's a lot, uh, a lot of good. That's a lot of good. Thank you for all that. What, what, um, I've taken so much of your time and I'm so grateful for it, but we always end on what you're, what you're fired up about art wise, like a record, a movie, a book, maybe all of the above, maybe a painting you saw recently. What's got you excited? Yeah. Um, that changes, uh, often because I'm, uh, I really, when I, when I find something that uh, inspires me, um, I just devour it. I've always been that way with, I'm that way with uh, like food too, or like a, or a certain drink. If I really start get turned on to a new drink, I will drink that same drink every day <laughs> for two weeks until it's just dead, you know? And, um, but with art, I'm really interested right now in the late fifties, early sixties uh, folk scene and particularly like New York uh, folk scene. 
Mm. Um, I just went in because of the, because of the quarantine, um, just w- uh, zipped over to Dallas and recorded a, a, uh, basically, well, not basically a live, uh, acoustic solo record, a two inch tape. There's no computers. We just really wanted to capture wow. that late Columbia, um, sound, you know, and, uh, and so I've been just really inspired by that and really just breaking songs down to like their bare essentials um, and in performance. It's not like, a, you know, you listen, you might do two takes of the song. And it's not like well, we're going to splice the second half of, of one take into the first half of the other. It's like, no, they're going to be performances. So it's going to be like, you know, you're going to like say every performance is going to be its own thing. So you just pick which one makes the most sense in the record. And it was all just kind of just immediate and uh, in a moment. And, uh, and so I just get inspired by that, just get, capturing the essence and getting right, right down to the moment and getting rid of all the artifice of things, especially nowadays in, in the world, there's so many things vying to, to distract us from the things that are really important. And so I tried to make a record that reflects that. I've, I've always done that with, with my record, just try to strip them down to the things that are really the essential things. Wow, that's gold, man. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for your your record, The Country. Thank you so much for your time and your energy. This was an absolute pleasure. I really, really appreciate it. I really dug it, man. Thanks a lot, Jason. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you. All right. Be good. Now you're now you're straight up. Oh. It's <laughs> over. No. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking to you, man. Likewise, dude. Yeah, thank you. That was wow. What a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, it was a good time. And uh, where are you? Where are you? Where are you living? Orlando. Oh wow. Were you gonna be here? Did I see that on the like you were scheduled to be here? It's like yesterday. I want to say even uh, before. Yeah, before the whole craziness hit. Um, yeah, there's a couple of Orlando shows, and so hopefully in 2021, you know, yeah. it'll, uh, it'll be coming back in the area. But uh, but uh, let's get together when I get down there. We'll grab a drink. Absolutely. Let's definitely do that, man. And, and by that point, you know, hopefully, hopefully that is, that's real. And, and when it happens, let's, uh, yeah. let's do this face to face. Cause this is really, Sounds really great. fun, man. Awesome, buddy. All right. All right. Cheers. Tennessee Jet, y'all. What a pleasure. Thank you, TJ. Thank you all for listening. Tennessee Jet's record, The Country, is wonderful. Go and listen and get a copy at TennesseeJet.com. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And if you really enjoy what we're doing, support us. Uh, there's a lot of free ways to do so. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Subscribe on your podcast app. Give us a five-star rating if you really like what we're doing. Tell a friend about the show. Um, share our stuff on social media. Those are all free ways you can support what we're doing. If you can swing it and you want to connect a little bit deeper, consider joining our Patreon community. For just a few bucks a month, you can get access to our Patreon exclusive show, Jason's Journey, and our new Patreon happy hours. We've uh, booked some very special guests, some songwriters to hang in our, our Patreon happy hour, patreon.com slash marinade podcast to connect with the show where you can connect for as little as $2 a month, y'all. Uh, we really appreciate all those freeways. If you can afford a little bit of coin, we appreciate that too. Um, just more than anything, thank you so much for listening. All right, y'all, it's time for what I'm getting down on this segment of the show where I talk about the art that is inspiring me at the moment. I've been a bit obsessed with Lovecraft Country on HBO. Steve Silberman mentioned it during our conversation for episode 68. 
This show is produced by uh, Jordan Peele, and it has that perfect balance of all things Jordan Peele. The music is perfect, the message is powerful, and it's delivered in a way that pushes you to think and and gives you time to consider the consequences of what is happening. Um, Vivarium is a film I meant to mention last time. My partner Chris uh, recommended it, and I watched it recently. If you're in a bad place, maybe don't go down that road. Um, but if you're feeling good about yourself, it's an arresting film. Um, it's a rumination on uh, the existence that uh, that made this anxiety <laughs> on existence that made this anxiety plagued fella pause a bit and take a few breaths. Um, but it's great, a really really great film. I've been listening to a lot of uh, kind of some of my old favorites, um, really heavy into Jason Isbell lately, go figure, um, and that won't surprise anybody who regularly listens to the show, but I've also been um, diving into Fantastic Negrito, uh, who was our guest for a bonus episode just before this episode, and um, man, he's just all over the place, which which is wonderful, and it leads you to kind of exploring different avenues uh, musically so i've been just crazy heavy into fantastic negrito as well of course tennessee jets record the country um i've been wearing out as well again so many great uh great records in 2020 and i was i was just thinking about it uh, a couple days ago i made a, a comment on twitter about how water liars the new water liars is is maybe my favorite record of the year and then i started thinking about all my favorite records of the year like i i don't I don't know that I could rank them. I mean, I, I just, it, it seems crazy that uh, Jason Isbell's record came out this year, that American Aquarium's record came out this year, that Fiona Apple's masterpiece came out this year. Those seem like years and years ago now that those records came out because I've, I've devoured them so much. Lucinda Williams' record this year was so good. Um, but they, it just keeps coming, you know, they're just, we're really fortunate in that way. Um, I, I also watched the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival live stream, uh, well, it wasn't really a live stream. They, they had kind of curated the music beforehand, um, and just a great job. Aaron Lee Tashin's performance was incredible. Trey Burt played a new song that just laid me out. Um, so many good things happening. Uh, music-wise right now. And I just finished reading, finally, The Plot Against America by Philip Roth. Um, I don't know why I do it to myself, why I continue to read dystopian novels, especially about the end of democracy. But um, it's, you know, it's one of those, just like every other one I've read, It Can't Happen Here, for example, by Sinclair Lewis. Um, They just, they pretty much tell the story of what's happening right now uh you know but but years ago and typically set in in the 30s and 40s it just all feels feels very eerily real feels eerily like uh like the things that could have happened had we not had strong leadership in the 40s and hopefully come november we will have a sea change in that regard please 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 go vote everybody i love y'all if you can do it. Go out and create something. If not, don't beat yourself up about it. Until next time, cheers, y'all.